1: Welcome, 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 those of you that are checking into the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Today, I have got an amazing treat for you, and that is Kaz. Kaz, you're here from the Warwickshire Police, and you're a dog handler. And not just any old dog handler, you have the most amazing little Cocker Spaniel, uh, Pocker, and you also have your GP dog. First off, I want to say a massive thank you for coming in and joining us today, and I've got so many questions for you. So welcome, (laughs) welcome, welcome, and thank you for being here. So Kaz, Tell me, what do you do and what got you into this in the first place? Like, tell us about it.
2: Okay, I'm a police officer with Warwickshire Police, first of all. I've been doing that now just coming up 20 years. So, (laughs) yeah, long time now. Um, So, I started off as a reactive officer and then from there I went on to the dog section after five years of doing the initial nine 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 calls and whizzing around the county. And then went and joined the dog section and now I work on the dog section so I'm handling Elsa, which is my GP dog, and Pocker, which hopefully will be my dog's cash firearm one search dog. A few licenses, and I—that's what I do. And I also do some of the instructing. I've got my instructor certificates for my GP and for my drugs side teaching with the dogs. I
1: love it how we just like throw in drugs there. and We throw in <laughs> cash, firearms, weapons. So tell me when you say GP, what do you mean by GP dogs? So give me—I obviously I, I've been really lucky. I spent the last few days with the police, and I've been working alongside some of the some of you guys and the the great instructors, and it's been amazing. But so, I've definitely learned lots of new words. Um, at the same time, tell me about, um, or tell everybody that's listening, because we've got some amazing listeners who are going to want to know all about this. What is a GP dog? What do they do? Okay,
2: a GP dog is what you call a general purpose police dog. So, that's usually your German Shepherds, your Belgian Malinois, your Dutch Herders. They are, what they'll do is tend to turn out for people. So, they do, um, like if there's been a burglary, for example, they might turn up at the scene and then track if a, a person's run away that's done the burglary they track and locate them or they might be looking for someone that's gone missing an old person that's wandered off from home and got lost in the woods that sort of thing or if you've got public order type where well, it's like a, a fight at a pub that's what you German Shepherd or your GP or so General those, Purpose so you're a big dog walk
1: around the football stadium <laughs> the and they have a <laughs> bit of
2: presence
1: about them so I've yes. seen some big big black dogs or, um, and I've just obviously spent some time at the police the last week and they definitely had some huge Malinois and and the dogs that kind of would mean business yes. they look like yeah. their presence is there yeah. okay.
2: they're, they're the ones that are going to bite you if you're do if you naughty yeah. <laughs> naughty like, way to naughty it. people <laughs> behave okay yes. and, then,
1: and then the other dogs Tell me a little bit about about what they they right. are and what they do the other
2: side of them is what you call your specialist search dog so your little dog as we tend to end up calling them so that tends to be your spaniels your labradors doesn't have well your cockers all that sort of thing tends to be that. and they you have two types or several types of specialist search but the main ones are what you call your explode dog and your drugs cash firearm search dog so they're two separate
1: so, so it's and dogs. I have to I have to say I had um a huge amount of what a brand new experience this week um running with drugs. That was definitely a different <laughs> I've never been a drugs runner in my life before, I'll be honest. And actually that was a whole new experience. So yeah, drugs being one area that you guys tackle. Um, and, and and just to clarify for everyone listening, I was working with the police, and I was carrying, <laughs> carrying so that they were training on me. So they were using yes. me as a, a training person. Uh, and then, obviously, you have other areas where it might be explosives, or and, and we did that very differently. Yes,
2: and then also as well as the side of the specialist search is what we call the forensics dogs, so which can either be for blood or semen or for cadavers or the dead bodies or remains of people. So there's lots of different types of search dogs, but mainly what I work in is the Drugs Cash and Firearms site.
1: <laughs> wow. God. I mean, it's huge, isn't it? Like it's it's absolutely massive. It's bigger than I, I suppose it's bigger than I uh, initially um, imagined. So how did you actually become a police dog handler? What's the process to become right. a police dog handler? Because so many people I know, they would love to do it. So I bet we're going to inspire <laughs> loads of people out there to, to follow their passion. Right. And, and, and for me, I did say when I was working um, with the police this week, guys, you're as lucky as I am. Like we're lucky because I feel like I never work a day in my life really because I love doing what I do. I live what I I love and I train dogs, right? And they were, there are very few places I go in and I feel exactly the same. And it was like this hub of, cool energy and fun and everyone loved what they were doing which was was cool so how does that process work right okay i have to say it is the
2: best job in the world <laughs> <I love it. laughs> i'll get that it's one the in there now um but first of all you've got to be a police officer so you have to first of all join the police as a police officer and then you have to your first you two years probation so once that's out and you're considered a, a fully fledged police officer and you can go out on your own at that point you can then look to what we call specialized so whether you are going to firearms or traffic or dog handling which is where I went so that's the process. Basically. So two
1: years, past that two years then you're allowed to then apply allowed to be one years. of the dog handlers. Yeah. Okay then how does that process go
2: from there? Right from there so if you apply for all the dog handlers so you usually it's usually interviews you get an assessment process mm-hmm. to see because not everybody's out to be a dog handler there's certain you know attributes that you look for in a, in a, in a person that's going to work with the dogs because obviously you are working on your own it's just you and the dog and go on, we, we touched on it there. What do you what attributes do, do you think make a good handler? It, well, first of all, that likes dogs is a good thing. <laughs> you laugh, but you, you'd be surprised. Because the role itself becomes it's not just a job anymore. The dogs live at home, it becomes part of your family. It it takes over not takes over your life it's it's a lifestyle rather than a just And
1: I love what you say there because I was chatting to someone the other day, in fact I was interviewing for a job, and I said to the person I was interviewing this is not just a job. This is a lifestyle, and it's a life choice. And you kind of you can't just clock off at nine o'clock and say you're done. When actually something might need your attention. That might be a dog. That might be some vet care. That might be. There's lots of different things that might need your attention. And, and your job is exactly the same. Right?
2: Exactly that. The dogs that you have, they live at home with you. They're part of you. You are. They are your your crewmate. You spend a lot of time with your them. Teammate. So, yeah, they are your teammate. That's the best way to put it. Is and you. When you go home at night, it's not a case of just oh, shut it in the kennel and that's it. See you in the morning. You, much you more. put so much more into them, and you know it, you don't. You can't finish at two o'clock in the afternoon and not be back until six, and that's it. I'm not. Seeing, it, it's part of it. So you, the handlers, love the dogs. They are part of the family. They are part of your home life you can't just say right that's it you're very invested yeah
1: for sure you're very invested invested. so how does that um, training process look because I think that surprised me actually when I was obviously I enjoyed some time doing we did some um, building searches and we were doing explosive stuff and we were doing drugs and we were doing I mean we weren't doing drugs that sounds horrendous we (laughs) were searching for drugs (laughs) and um, we were we were doing lots of different bits but what I didn't initially understand when I was there I suppose at the beginning of the week was that actually it's a long process it's not just a one week course this is a long quick process so so how does this um process look in terms of um days weeks how does it look right okay
2: so for example say we took a we'll start with a general purpose dog first of all so we've, we've got a dog so approximately 12 to 18 months old so your general purpose dog so her name is elsa, elsa yeah so i, I had her from a puppy so that's slightly different but we'll say we'll go with the initial dog so general purpose dog it's 12 to 18 months old we've had a look at it we think it's Got what we think will be make it suitable police dog. So it then goes on a thirteen week course with its handler. So during that thirteen weeks it learns so all So handler goes on the course, matched up with a dog, dog that's appropriate yes. for the
1: course, put the two together and they, they, they hope they gel.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't always happen. There can be mismatches of dog and handler. But that those two together will do the course together and at the end of the course they do that's what we call. Their dog. A, yeah. But they have to at the end of the thirteen weeks they have to do what we call a licensing assessment. So mm-hmm. somebody from it doesn't have to be but we tend to try and keep it from a different force will come in and have a look at the dog and handler and say, Yes, they meet the necessary level to be an operational police. I dog suppose to critique
1: it fairly. Yeah,
2: to to just to make sure that, you know, it's what's happened's happened and it, it's right and the dog's up to level and the handler's up to level. Yeah. So So that's your general purpose dog. Then look at your specialist search dog. Again, We'll say we'll start at the beginning without all doing all the puppy bit because that makes it slightly different. Yeah, a whole whole different journey. So, again, probably 12 to 18 months, depending on the type of dog or whatever. Um, And that's a six to eight week course. Again, handler and dog matched up and they learn from there to carry on and go and from there. What I was surprised about, and I didn't realize this, is usually you'd have a GP dog first.
1: So yes. you'd have a GP dog and they're only then, and once you're established with your GP dog, would you then have your specialist search dog usually. Yeah,
2: usually that's how it works. You GP dog first, um, and that's and then you get a specialist search dog. The reason why you tend to go do your GP dog and get established with that is because it's a different type of search and it's different skills that you're using with your GP dog than it will be with a specialist search dog. So it'd be unfair to give someone two new dogs at the same time and say, yeah. right, learn everything all at once. So you give them a GP dog, let them settle into that, then give them a specialist search dog. So you almost
1: have an extra team member at some yes. point. So your team
2: actually But it makes the it makes the van as such more efficient because yeah. If you've got two dogs in the van you could you've got the capability yeah you've got two cages in there you might as well have two dogs that do different roles within the one van. That so you're very, sense. very,
1: um, you're, you're able to handle most of the situations and scenarios you're going to be put yeah. in front of. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Really nature. cool. And so um, a little bit about the breeds that you have currently, so tell me a little bit about Elsa right. and then tell me a little bit about your youngster, um,
2: Pocker. Okay. Elsa is a German Shepherd, Belgian Malinois cross. Uh, I think dad was the shepherd, mum was the Mally, if I remember right. Um, so that's what she is, that tends to be what we use general purpose-wise, either German Shepherds or Belgian Malinois or Dutch Herders, that type of breed. And the only main reason for that is because we found that they're good all-round at everything we want them to do, so from tracking to biting to building, searching. Just what proxy. the job says, yeah. it says general purpose, purpose doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, so, do the job. <laughs> so so they, they, they suit everything that we need them to do, so that tends to be why we use them. And then for especially search, you obviously, we've got Pocker. <laughs> Little working cocker, And <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: so, what made you go, um, I suppose, um, you had Gwen before Pocca, yeah, and yeah. what was Gwen? Gwen was in the English Springer Spaniel. And I, I did notice there were quite a few on the course that I was on. Um, the mixture was definitely English Springers and um, cockers, So, that
2: was the mix. What makes a handler um, go for those breeds? Okay, the police tend to use those type of breeds because they are designed to go all day. They have that drive to want to keep working and keep, and keep going 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 even when they've maybe not been successful yeah because it could be a case especially on the drug side as well i could do house search one house there's nothing in that house go to the next house search that house there's still nothing in that house and it's not to maybe the third or the fourth house that we get to that actually she finds what i needed to find or the doglets so i would need a dog that wants to keep going no matter even if it's not successful and we say that now but we build up to that. We don't just throw them in at <laughs> not being successful. It's just, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. massive,
1: isn't it? Because yeah. that's actually something that you're right. I'd say sometimes a border collie that I obviously Odin train, I don't think they've got anywhere near that sort of mental or physical stamina in something like search without really building it. Like you'd really have to build it. Whereas put them on sheep, I think they would do that all day. Yes. Again, it's like fit for purpose. Yes, yeah.
2: it's what you look for. It's that natural, what they want to do. Say they are gun dog breeds that have been designed... Years of breeding to be out in the field working on a shoot all day, so yeah. th- that desire to work all day is it's in transferred your, over. Yeah. I so love that, yeah. I love that. So, did you have any training experience prior to
1: taking on police dogs? So, before the police dogs, what sort of training experience did you have? Where did you come from?
2: Well, okay, we're, where did you made? Well, okay. <laughs> Originally, I worked with horses years nice. ago, so that's where and um, my background mainly is horse side, so training horses and bringing on youngsters. So you transferred
1: and, those skills over? Yeah,
2: kind of like the animal side of it rather than actual the physical training of the dog, just that natural want to be with animals, working with animals type of side just moved over and, and, then, and
1: if someone wanted to maybe I don't know put themselves in a position that you've done like what you've gone through what advice would you give someone who was maybe keen to um, follow follow this path or someone that was keen to maybe explore it a little more what, what words of wisdom yeah, could you, you can,
2: uh, the main thing you've, obviously first of all you've got to want to be a police officer because although I work with the dogs and I love that side and that's it ultimately foremost I'm a police officer so if a job comes in that I need to deal with and it's not a dog related job or something the dog can do i've still got to do with that really (laughs) (laughs) it can be anything so that's got to be the foremost if that's the line you want to go down and want to become a dog handler yes you've got to love dogs but ultimately you've got to want to be a police officer first because that's your role you are a police officer with dogs but your role is a police officer so if that's what you're thinking you can do things like this especially for younger uh people there's like police cadets a lot of forces do that these days where you can go and join in and just see whether you actually like doing it or become experienced spe- yeah and I, a I have to be honest i spent obviously uh, the last few days
1: there and i honestly if i didn't have this lifestyle i could quite easily sit in that one like it was really 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 good good energy and a lot of fun yeah. Right, but at the same time i don't know a typical day so tell me what a typical day would be like for you. And I know there's no typical because you're very like me. My days, if someone says, what's a typical day? Oh, I don't know. There's yeah. so many things. But give me, I don't know, some scenarios that you might go through in a day. And obviously, normal normal scenarios as well, whatever you can share with us. How does your, what, what sort of time of day does your shift start? <laughs> okay. How does it work?
2: <laughs> well, that's a big question. That one. <laughs> right? Like you said, there is no typical day because I don't know when I want to work, what I'm going to go to or what calls are going to come in for each day we'll go, like, for example, a training day that I could have with Elsa or Pocker. Um, that would probably start about 8 in the morning and it's an eight from eight in the morning till six at night. And during that day we'd do various training scenarios to bring the dog on and build on their training. So that's quite a straightforward set day. I love those day. days. And
1: and I was quite surprised actually at how early everyone was there. They were all there from like seven. They were all chomping at the bit. They were all literally the car park was bonkers. I was thinking, <laughs> God, my breakfast didn't get up and like served till seven. I couldn't even get there. And they were all there. I was like, oh my lord, we they start, were all there. It starts like later in Warwick. There you go. <laughs> slightly later. Um, and then so tell me about like a typical, I don't know um, on the beat type day. Uh,
2: okay, so and I, I know there's no typical. Yeah, but, but there's like for day shifts and things like that. That that we're do. we work at a an, again an eight six on a day shift. So you start at eight o'clock, and it could, it could be anything that could come in. It could be a usually days tend to be doing your warrants first thing in the morning. So come back start earlier than eight eight o'clock. It, that's when you and uh, go on for the novice police right, person. Okay, okay, come back tell, war, me, tell me about warrants. <laughs> like, warrants like when we go. Basically, with the big what we call the big red key. So it's a big boshing that we go and put the door. Like someone, let me explain it point better <laughs> than that. Like we'll start looking. Somebody's basically a police officer's got information that maybe drugs being dealt at a house, or we've got intel. What we call intelligence that something's happening at the house. Drugs maybe being kept there, or cash or firearms that shouldn't be there. So we go get what we call a warrant. So we go to the courts and say to the courts, we want to go into this house because we've got X, Y, and Z, and we think that's what's in there. And given maybe what information we give to the courts, we'll decide whether the judge or not will give us a warrant. Once we've got the warrant, we can then go to the house. And even if they don't want to answer the door or we want to surprise them, we can be there be there, and be in and put the door in. And that's the sort of situation that you would have a dog there with you? Um, it, Yes, because depending on what you searching for that would be when Pocker would do her job because she would search the house for whatever yeah. we're looking for but also maybe Elsa would be then working because she could cover what will cover the back so she'd go around the back of the house so when they put the front door in in case anyone tried to run away Elsa's the dog, there yeah. to stop them from wanting to run away mm. so that's sort of on sort of day shift type thing that tends to be when they tend to happen during the day yeah um and then you obviously you tend to have like you're looking for your missing people and things like that can be in the days where you go walking across fields. It, it could be anything, it could be car pursuits. It's hard to say what a typical... It's a real mixture. Yeah, it is a complete mixture. And then you have the the night shifts... Night shifts I always find are better for working Elsa because there's less people out and about, and less people out and about makes it easier for me to work because there's less distractions and less people walking across where maybe somebody's walk that I want to follow. Yeah. Um. So night shifts, are, that's when you're out looking for your burglars and your car key. Not that they don't happen a day. You still look for them in the day, but that's more likely when people's houses get broken into like at night. And oh, you and... have a crazy cool <laughs> lifestyle. So, have you so, thought about so, things like this? So this is all the things that. That might be happening but then also it can be a case that some of the drugs get moved at night so therefore then pocker would be needed to search the cars and things like that it, there's, like I say it's so hard because there isn't a set and, and this was a whole new, I'll be honest, I think okay. um, I wonder
1: whether I'm sometimes completely naive to, when I was working with these guys um, in the middle of the city centres and they were sort of talking about um, like drugs runs and stuff, I was like, God, I haven't even thought about like how, how they'd move stuff. So yeah, your yeah. whole your whole lifestyle is is, is sort of geared to degree around what they might be doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, because ultimately what you want to do is it's not necessarily target the person that's using the drugs because that's just one small person. What you want to do is target the person that's delivering and dealing the drugs because they're your problem really. So the higher up the chain of of the drugs you can go. go, the better because the more you can disrupt the... So, so if you think about then, um, I suppose you've had some um,
1: highlights of uh, working with dogs and being with dogs. What would be, I suppose, a situation or a, a time that you've been particularly proud of one of your dogs? Um, <laughs> and it could be um, either your um, GP dog or your other dog. A, a time that you think that's really memorable.
2: Um, we'll, go, we'll go with drugs because we, we... Because we, we, love love them, we love like I don't know we want to say talk, that. Talk, talk oh, yes, it's the a the great drugs. point. Um, <laughs> There's been a few finds with not with Pocker Pukka, because Pocker's not licensed, so she's not out. She's training and, in the and minute. And just um, to clarify for everyone, Pocker's not licensed. She's a young
1: working cocker, she, yes. so she's just a baby. She's... she's just over twelve months old now, so she's, she's kind of coming into licensing age. Yes. And when I was chatting to the licensing guys this week, she's going to hopefully be licensed October November. Yes, fingers crossed, so all, all going well. <laughs> um, so, so give me an example of um, a
2: memorable proud moment with with Gwen. Gwen, Gwen. Uh, we'll go on with Gwen because. Um, there was a car that had been up to Birmingham, it was a day shift job, day, <laughs> car shift. Had day shift rather than nights. Car had gone up to Birmingham, it had been in Birmingham for two days and then it was coming back down the M5 to go back down towards Somerset and the um, the car got stopped because we had information that it had been up to collect drugs in, in Birmingham. So they stopped the car and then they called for a drug to come and search it and I was the one that was on duty so I went to search the car. And I put Gwen in the car and she was so busy in this car. I knew there was something in there. We just couldn't find it. It was <laughs> there, was, it was there it was somewhere. Busy. And I knew because of how busy Gwen was, I say busy, she's like, her all, whole body language is all excitable and she's racing around the car. And I knew it was gonna be a fairly large amount because of how busy she was. So it was giving off, there was lots of scent in the car. So we searched and searched and searched the car and still couldn't quite find it. She wasn't giving me what we call an indication, which tells me, oh, it's here. She was just, running around the car lots so I ended up trying to pull panels off inside the car and still not getting what I wanted to find and eventually I opened all the car doors and worked around the outside of the car and as we came around to one of the back car doors she got like the tiny little drainage holes you get at the bottom of a car door nose on that bang and she just froze there which is what Gwen's indication is that she's found it and I said it's in the door panel (laughs) and when they actually pulled the door panel off like all like the like door handle and everything like that all came off within the door panel was a big sort of cricket ball amount of cocaine so I was very pleased because you would have never found that unless you ripped the car apart without the dog mm-hmm. and that the sort of finds it that without the dog you wouldn't have got that you get most proud of because the it dog shows, really
1: takes you to a new level yeah
2: it makes it so much more and it just proud because of the fact you wouldn't have got it without her and it just and what's the most cash Gwen ever found uh Gwen had a hundred thousand (laughs) pounds hidden in the van I mean it's insane isn't it yeah again that was um that was actually a day job as well that was just again information we had so the van was stopped pop Gwen in there and because it was quite a large amount and the way it had been hidden she actually found that one quite easily and um, just because I'm interested in this it just sounds like an interesting
1: thing and I kind of know uh, a little bit about this because I remember um, the story about Pocker, but what happens to that cash where does it go
2: right okay uh, the cash is seized I was thinking do you get to keep it no <laughs> I thought it was going <laughs> end up in my bank account no no <laughs> so cash is seized cash is seized um, and a certain percentage of that it's gets seized under what they call the proceeds of crime act so it's been seized because of it's Illegally obtained, basically. Yeah. It's come by whatever means, but it's either from selling drugs or whatever they've done to get the cash that's not legal. So, mm-hmm. therefore, it gets seized. And part of that is what we call the Proceeds of Crime Act. When it's seized, some of that does come back to fund the police and certain things. So, like, like obviously, with Pocker She's been funded by the proceeds of crime, Act, so we've we've applied. So Did you mean that
1: Pock has been bought with drugs money?
2: Yes, basically,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and to find more drugs, <laughs> which is amazing. I just yes. think that's such a nice, it's such a nice, well-rounded um, um, story. So, I suppose, what is the cost of? Do you think producing a dog or like like because there's a huge amount of time involved? Isn't yes there? it's not
2: invested. I have been asked this before, and I never like to put a figure on it, just because. I agree. It, for one dog, it might take less time than another dog, and. With like so like like Pock, we'll talk about Pock just because it's she's because you know, she's easy and she's lovely. She's lovely. Um, <laughs> um, because we had her as a puppy, we've done it very slowly over a long time period of time. So we haven't done the six to eight week course like from a dog that's never done anything. I've just gradually built up the building blocks for mm-hmm. her. So initially she started off doing really simple little games as a tiny puppy. Oh, it's just scent recognition, and that was it no search and just, oh, that gives me some hostage or that gives me a treat or whatever, and then just built up on that. So it's hard to say time-wise how much you put effort and time into and all the rest of it, because, and it could be a case, I mean, I don't think it are not with her, but you could do all that with a dog and then get to the end and then not make
1: it. I think that's one of the biggest things, isn't it? Because when we were working with the licensing team um, this week, some of the dogs, um, they say they don't make it. They haven't got the attributes that you um, yeah. what- need as a police dog. So- Talking on that, I suppose, what are the attributes you need in a, I know they're different, so, but a GP dog and a um, search dog, what what do you need?
2: Okay. with your G, so more with your GP dog, you're looking for a dog that's ba- what I class as balanced. So mm-hmm. it's confident, it's happy, it wants to play, it wants to interact with people, it wants to play with its toy that's gonna be because that's going to be because I think sometimes
1: this is really misinterpreted because I know like lots of the rehome centres and places like that will often try and gift a dog, but often the misinterpretation is they want to gift an aggressive dog, and that's the big misconception I suppose here is that. All of the best dogs that I watched over the last week and I know from the past of training sort of bite work and training different sort of IPO and and games like that, the best dogs are the most confident dogs because they're not biting out of fear. Yes, they're loving their job.
2: Yeah, it's, and it's not, a game, right? Yeah, it is a game. Yeah, it's game to both the big dogs, as we call them, and the little dogs. And it isn't about oh, we just got an alligator on the end of the lead that's going to bite everybody and everyone. And like or an alligator. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. and, it, and it's not a case of you're biting out of fear, like you say, a fear mm. or a nervous aggression. Because it's a different bite, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very different bite. Very and it's
1: not a proper hold when they when they do do that, and it's not. Uh, they 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 don't look confident in their job,
2: but also. That to me, it's not fair to put a dog in a situation that it's not happy in. If it's nervous and that's why it's aggressive, then it's not happy in its situation. So why would you then put it into a situation where it's got to confront mm-hmm. people? Mm-hmm. That's almost a little bit cruel on the dog. Because I agree. You, you, it's, nah, mentally, it's, it's not fair on the it's dog. Not, it's, no, it's not.
1: And actually, the pressure you're going to put them under yeah. is, is tough. And then how about the the search the dogs? Search,
2: yeah. uh, uh, before I go on to search, I'll just say about the, the GP as well. It's also... The reason why you want the confident and a confident dog, not a naturally what you say like you say, aggressive dog or a nervous aggressive dog, is because one minute I could be looking for a five year old child that's gone mm, missing. Amazing. I don't want my dog to be thinking, Oh, five year old child I found that bite. Yeah. Or it could nervous, be nervous, worried, yeah. anxious. But then the next minute I could be asking my dog to find the arm robber that's just legged it from Bring him down. Yeah. And I want him then to be able So that's why i it's so important about the dog being confident in itself and 100%. happy rather than being just a biking this, machine this is a so, dog who loves their job yes yeah they want to work and then oh, I love um, that.
1: yeah go on search, sorry, sorry, search. Sorry, sorry, No, I was, just, I was just literally giggling uh, because actually um, that's one of the things last week I think they were desperate to bring me down in a bite suit and I was like absolutely no chance <laughs> there is no chance when um, one of the girls in the car I think she was um, really nice girl, Hannah and Kelly they were called and they both said um, would you like to be brought down and I was like no I really wouldn't it's one of Matt's ambitions actually he really wants to be in a full bite suit absolutely and brought down whereas for me I'm happy watching on the <laughs> sideline of that one, I'll always stay on this side. Um so yeah tell me about your tell me about your search because I loved watching I have to say I love watching both sides. I've seen probably more in the past of the general purpose dogs. So for me to watch the explosives and the drugs and the cash and the weapons dogs and I loved it. I yeah. absolutely loved it particularly loving Spaniels. So for me it was a real oh just I got a huge buzz off doing it. So tell me what you're looking for in a poker. And so a poker, tell me what you're looking for in a so, Gwen. So,
2: so yeah a pocker and Gwen a little bit crazy is probably a nice way to put it. So, <laughs> not not what your class as your average pet. So there'll be some too much for someone. Too much energy. Too much. Ah, I want to get going. I want to. I want to do stuff. I. I need to be doing something to keep my brain occupied. So that's the first thing. Into very much into a toy or a some whatever toy ball. We tend to use tennis balls or kongs really for ours. But so that because that ultimately becomes their reward. And then like I say. The desire to want to keep going all day and keep going even when you've done x amount of searching you want to keep doing another search so it's that bundle and how of, long might they need to go for Um you wouldn't search for longer than say 20 minutes half an hour in a period of time just because we'll get what they call nasal fatigue where mm. the, basically not that they stop sniffing but they stop processing what they're sniffing so you need to let them have a little rest in between to make sure that they're effective in what they're doing but it's a long time of concentrated work i suppose Yeah, and and like um particularly say we say we talked about the drugs dogs not sorry searching several houses and maybe not getting a reward because they haven't found anything with your explosives dogs you could be searching a big big venue. It's a, what we call a defensive search. So we think some royal, royalty are coming to stay or visit. We don't necessarily think that there's going to be anything there, but we're doing it to make sure there is. Like a anything. clearance of building. a building. Yes. So, um, so they were no... talking
1: about the Commonwealth. They were talking yes. about the. There seems to have been a lot of work there for you guys over. Well, there, there's a lot coming. <laughs> yes. Basically,
2: more that'll be very much for the Explode dogs and a little bit for the um, drugs, cash, firearms, because they find the firearms. Um, and one thing that's quite important to say is why we keep the explosive? separate from. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this yeah. was like a complete revelation for me because I'd never really thought about it
1: because I know that it's separate yeah, and I know that it is something that's separate. And when it was explained to me, I was like, of course, that is why no, you makes- would definitely keep those separate. <laughs> so explain to me why you would keep
2: explosive search dogs separate from drugs, cash, weapons. Okay, so so we've got our explosive dogs, we've set him up. He's gone off and searched and he's given me what we call an indication. So he's frozen stirred at a, at a point, wherever that is that therefore telling me that there's an explosive hide in that area if there's a basically an explosive a bomb is there i don't really want to be getting much closer so it's then for what we call uh, eod so the, the defense team um, the military to come out and look at like, just detonate it safely now if my drugs dog also did explosives and they gave an indication i don't know what it's indicating on so if my drugstore came in and they both. could be telling you there's some cannabis there, over there. Or it could be telling me there's a there's bomb. There's a bomb. Yeah. And they, you're going to behave very differently yes, on so, the cannabis on what and the bomb. fine. Yeah. So, so, and obviously, um, the military aren't going to be very impressed being called out just for a little bit, bunch of cannabis. No. So, why? So, so basically, if your explosives dog hits or gives you an, an indication, it's indicated on explosives. And, and an explosives dog really is trained
1: purely explosives. Yes, that's, there's all, nothing else that's they all they do.
2: That's all they do. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because so, the specialist explosives train, they're going to do things like search buildings, search routes. Um, Could okay. be what we call a route. So uh, Somewhere that the president's driving, yes, for example.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When so
1: President Trump came to the UK or whatever, they would, you might do the route that he will be yeah. going along. So, to make sure there's nothing there set up to. It's crazy. Like It's <laughs> something that you don't even think about. And, and watching that team work, that was a very different style of search as well, without going into too much detail.
2: <laughs> yes. Gosh,
1: it was thorough.
2: Because. Uh, the difference there with searching for the drugs and the explosive, the explosive team, when they go into a building, they've got to make sure they can get out safely. Mm-hmm. So everywhere so they go, out. yeah, there's got to be, be clear. Well, with the drugs dog, if I set, say went up to search everything, and she, I say we the front door, and she bombs off into the living room or the kitchen and gets really busy, I can just walk in and go and have a look see what she's doing. Yeah, but yeah. you can't do that with an explosives dog. They've got to be very much, no, we clear this area before we move forward. So it's very, very thorough. Now, whilst we're on to some
1: detail, because this is a bit like <laughs> detail for those geeky people that are listening out there that kind of go, I want to understand the detail. Tell me about a passive dog um, in comparison to, like, what's the style? What's right, the style okay, you've search? Got, you've, I think that's quite good. Yeah, I
2: suppose we've not, we've not covered this yet. With your drugs, cash, firearms dogs, um, you have two types of dogs. So you have your... your your passive dog and your, what you call your proactive dog. So your proactive dog searches like your cars, your buildings and like an outdoor area, for, like a park or something. While your passive dogs are the ones you see at the airports searching the people. So they're wandering in the line or whatever. And, and so, so me
1: when I was doing my drugs running this week, that was the that, dog that
2: was searching me that's out. The, yes. Okay, so I was
1: walking along very discreetly got my drugs (laughs) in my pocket walking along and that dog goes and targets on me and sort of says it's here and then even though i carry on walking that dog carried on pulling but never at any point jumped on me or grabbed me or pounced on me
2: so tell me about the talk right okay so so Basically, what they're kind of taught to do is initially just to sit in front of you. So you've got the dog, so you sit. And, and I was you, trying really hard to walk Because you walk away. kept walking, the dog obviously <laughs> can't physically sit today it's this one. So he'll keep coming with you. That, that's why. The difference between the two is the, the this passive dog is scanning the air like your air around your cloud as, such, you're, as you're walking along. So he's learning to... Air... You're saying I'm uh, smelly. <laughs> <laughs> My odor. <own> <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's, what he's actually picking up on is the drug odor that's coming yeah. off you. Because yeah. that's what's in your pocket. Yeah. So as you walk along, you've got this little scent cloud around you. So he's learning to scan the people as he goes past to say, oh, actually, it's you. I need to follow it. Yeah. When it comes to the proactive dogs, when they're searching a building they go in and they start to search and then they'll get into into the scent cloud and such and they'll learn to get to the source of whatever's giving it off and it's like bang it's it's that one rather than just scanning the air around an area they'll give you exactly where it is if, makes that, sense. if that makes sense yeah absolutely so, yeah, yeah they're really interesting
1: <laughs> and then when we think about those dogs you don't normally have them doing both or sometimes you do have them, had, doing had them
2: doing both you can't have them doing both not every dog will take to doing both um but you can have them doing both. It's just that they've got to learn that there's the two, two different, different things, different, different, different games. Yeah, interesting. Um, no, I love it. I think it's super cool. So,
1: give me um, one of the training exercises that you might do frequently to top up your dog's confidence or reliability, or something you might do. So, for example, obviously I teach agility. One of the things I can't, com- I constantly top up Retrieve because I think Retrieve's a great thing for me to have in my toolkit, but it doesn't relate to necessarily being at Crufts or being at a big arena. And the other thing I top up in agility is I, I reward them lots for doing tight turns. And I also re- reward them lots for doing certain behaviors that I'm going to need later on. What would be your like top-ups or things that you do in the long run, with any of your dogs, is there anything yeah, that you do, do to like keep do up it. the skills? Just,
2: uh, one of the ones is what we call scent recognition. So it's called a we call it potting. So you, you have little pots, almost like sugar shakers, as the ice and sugar shakers. that have got the holes in the top. So there'll be either a line or a carousel of, of pots. So the dog goes around, sniffs each pot, and tells you which one has got the substance in. So it's just making sure that the dog actually does recognise that substance and that substance gets its its reward. Mm -hmm. So that's something you do usually quite regularly on training just to, and it can also be used to um, firm up an indication. So if you've got a dog that's maybe starting to try and interfere a little bit because they're getting a little bit frustrated because they're not getting their reward quickly enough. (laughs) Because it's contained within the pot, you can almost let the dog Work out, no, I've got to freeze and look at it rather than whack it and yeah. put it out and bite yeah. at it. Because yeah. the last thing I want a dog doing out there on the streets is starting to bite at drugs because I don't want it ingesting. What not, got. Whatever, cocaine, heroin, whatever, not only medical things but I don't want my dog <laughs> no no, <it> doesn't
1: work <laughs> yeah Parker and Gwen types are high enough already I yes, feel without uh, yeah, so <laughs> any help yes um, and do you ever see a dog lose any confidence on a job so have you ever seen a dog lose their heart or lose their like a confidence like for example when I was working with some of the dogs last week one of the dogs that um, tapped on a spinning chair for example you could just see it back off now the handler was phenomenal and the dog was a really stunning dog and, and tried really hard but you could see with the wrong handler and the wrong dog that could have gone very differently wrong and all it was was a spinning chair and yet the handler really acknowledged it, it and assessed it and got it so spot on. At it the same is, time, I, I worry for someone who doesn't.
2: Yeah, it's funny you say that because that's one of the things that Paco had a little bit of an issue with earlier on. She jumped on a few chairs because we teach, we teach them to jump yeah, on whatever yeah. they want to do. Um, very natural and, yeah, for a Spaniel, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> let, let them do whatever they, like, if they want to get on there, get on the sofa, whatever, you can do it because obviously we don't know where people are going to hide things in the houses. So, The had jumped on several chairs, no problems, quite happy. She happened then to jump onto a spinning chair, obviously it spun, oh, being a young dog, a little bit, oh, I'm not too sure, and she did it again on another chair, and again, just knocked her confidence slightly, Mm -hmm. so therefore then we came to do a search, and it was near, in order to get to the hide, she had to jump on the the chair to get onto the desk, Um, and she didn't want to jump on the chair just because she's had a couple of experiences. Mm-hmm. So all you just go back a step, just make it fun again. It's gotta be, you can't, she's got to be confident in what she's doing. So all we did was just, I kept the chair still so it couldn't physically move and then just, just get a jumping on the chair and just for even jumping on the chair, she then got rewarded because she's young and learning. So, oh, well done, here have some sausage, or here have your toy for jumping on the chair and then build it up just from there. It. So, so put back in the confidence and now it's like, yeah, i jump on everything again. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Spaniel. Yeah, so it's just about, if they do get a knock or something, it's about going, not forcing the issue, but just coming back a stage and making it fun again and just putting back in what was there in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> life's a game. Life's game. So what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you
1: as a police dog handler? Have you got anything that's a little bit funny or a little bit like, no. what's <laughs> happened to you? Many, many, I'm Which sure.
2: Which one can I talk about? Um, <laughs> Gwen got a bit of a reputation for decapitating statues <laughs> on oh, no. searches. We happened to do with a particular search team, we did three searches in a row and each I mean, luckily there was stuff in each house, but um <laughs> in, the meantime, in the meantime as she was as she was searching. Yeah, she was a bit crazy and um She tended to take the heads off (laughs) various statues. statues. And she did it in three houses of three ornaments, well, statues, (laughs) ornaments, whatever, where she took the head off. Decapitation, Gwen. (laughs) That's too funny. That is too funny. So do you think the dogs see this as work or play? Oh, no, it's just a big game to them. It's got to be a game to them. You can't... They've got to enjoy what they do. They've got to want to do it. You can't force them to do it. They've got to want to play the game. And if they don't want to play the game, then... Well, you can't say if if they didn't want to play and you went and put them in a house to search a house, they could go out as if they were, but they're not gonna tell you it's there, then you're gonna miss what you need to find and there's nothing worse than you searching and somebody else saying that actually no you've missed something or you've gone behind missed, you. Yeah, and you're thinking They've got, so they've got to want to, you've got to be confident if you go searching with your dog, that if it's there, they're going to find it for you. Or if they can find it, they will find it. So
1: that was a really um, good point, actually. It's something, again, I learned this week, that um, you guys have to be like checked up on in terms of um, how your, your dogs reassess. They're not just assessed once. Oh, no, no, no. assessed no, again, they, which I think was, <laughs> that was another like a revelation to me.
2: Yeah, so for you, like, say so your, your dog's dog, we'll go with... Um, Basically, at the end of the the training, their initial training, they're licensed. So they're licensed, but they're only licensed with that handler. So Pocker will only license initially with myself. During then the next, next 12 months, she has to do 10 training days within those... 12 months and then she has to relicense every annually. So she has to go make sure that she's doing everything she should do. So doing your license, how long
1: does that actually take the licensing process? Would that be assessed over a day? A couple of days depending on,
2: it it depends like, um, yeah, it could be a day or two days depending on how many dogs you've got licensing at the time and how, but it's huge over a day or two. It's just, it's to make sure they recognise all the substances, they can search all. Like cars and your buildings, they're efficient, they're under control, they're not They're doing the indication as they should do the indication. It's all that sort of thing to yeah. make sure that everything's in place and as then it should be. When do they assess them again? So then they could do 10 um, days across the year. Across the year, they've got to do 10 days, and then every year they have to.
1: Which I think is incredible. I think that's a lot of assessment, isn't it? So sometimes the dog is out on assessment when they might be needed, but at the same time, that's so important because they need to be.
2: But they need to be up to a certain yeah. level. You can't have. Amazing. F- yeah because otherwise you could have a dog that licenses and then you know it goes out there, and it, it's useless it sounds awful but it could be all useless yeah. and not be yeah. doing the Lost job pop- yeah so you need to make sure. No, I was very impressed. I thought yeah. it was it was
1: top in terms of that. And then tell me, I suppose, um, what lights you up about about your job? What makes you jump out of bed in the morning and think <laughs> I am Kaz on the case? Like what makes you what makes you
2: excited about what you do? Um, I don't very often jump out. Of <laughs> oh come on, Kaz! I'm <laughs> imagining like <more>, uh... a <laughs> what <more> call out. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, for me all of, just working the dogs, watching the dogs work. When you have a good. What we call a good dog job, like I say, a dog where a job where you wouldn't have got the result without the dog is the best teamwork. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's either whether that's you with your little drugs dog that's found an amazing hide that you would never, and some of the concealments that people do because of these drugs sound quite yeah, yeah, very very sophisticated. So to find them that you would never have found without the dog is amazing. And then with your GP dog, if you have a good result like tracking or something like that. There's nothing that beats the feeling for me than being on nights, tracking with my big girl and across the fields and thinking, I'm getting close here. We're on to this. They're not that far ahead of me. And then getting them, it's like, yeah, good girl. (laughs) And it's the same with, like I say, with Gwen or, well, hopefully with Parker as well. It's that... We've got, you know, we've we've done really like well. Like a really good team, yeah. It's really just, good team effort, uh, yeah. And then being ha- like dogs being good at what they do because of all the effort and time you've put into them. So no, it's yeah. a great. I think it's, I agree. It's a great feeling. And so, and um, say the end of the
1: evening, your dogs live with you. They go home with you, yep. and and um, they can or they're in the house. How does uh, it work?
2: When Poco was a pup, obviously she was in the house. Um, part of that was because I wanted her to learn to play with toys quite a lot, and. If the others are there, I don't want her to get think that she can't play with her toys because the others tell her off or try and pinch them all the time. So when she was a puppy, she lived in the house. But as she's got older, she's gone outside. So they they live outside in the kennel. Um, For me, partly that's because it would be a little bit unfair, especially with your drugs dog, to say, right, you can come in my house but you're not jumping on any of the furniture. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do whatever. Like, let's go to this house. Right, you can do what you want, you know, because mm. I want you to find it. So it'd be a little bit of a mixed message. For, for you, the... it's very easy then to keep it sort of yeah, structured. structured. This is your
1: job. Yeah. I want
2: you to go all over everything. Yeah. And the fact that dogs actually been with me all day as well in the at work, they might want their own space as well. So, yeah, they <laughs> I, and, I like them
1: kennels. Um, and, and you guys get kennels from the police when you're, as part of your... As part of your... Yes. But part oh, of, yes. It's part of the job. Yes, yes. It's part of the job. And then, I suppose, um, one of the the things I know that the listeners are going to want to hear and want to know about is what is the best reward for for Air poker, which I kind of already know and what is the best reward for Elsa too like what are their favorite rewards if they could choose okay. if they were to like have a little Christmas list what would it be what would they jot because I know like Blink for example her favorite thing in the world I even know the brand of it she likes the Air Kong squeaky ball that's her favorite thing in the world whereas if I was picking I don't know for Everest she would pick much more likely one of the tuggy um, tug enough like fleece tugs that would be her favorite thing she wants to rag it so they have different things that they preference like what would your girls um, be
2: yeah elsa's definitely a kong uh, well elsa's the kong also she quite likes her uh, she's got what we call a bite roll that she can sometimes she'll come back for and play with that but uh, mainly a kong um Parker's on the kong at the minute but it, it changes changes week, changed on a weekly basis she was on the air uh, the squeaky tennis balls at the moment she likes the concrete she likes to grab it and r- rag it so we, we might be going to find her on a little ragger just to see if that's any it doesn't matter what toy but she she's she's undecided <laughs> she likes anything I we'll love do. It. no i love that and then i just went
1: out to the vehicle so i was just out of the vehicle i was taking a couple of pictures for um for a couple of the people in the training academy which i think is really cool so they could ask some questions as well and uh, when I went out there your vehicle was lovely and calm and pretty settled and I know there's no GP dog in there so slightly <laughs> different to having the GP dog in there but she's pretty chilled in the car do they get settled with the car like I mean our dogs do because they travel to agility and shows and being in the car is just like being a, in another mobile space really they treat it like their home they spend time in there yeah. so how does the car work for you?
2: Yeah very much the same um, they spend because obviously they work in the car so from the early doors with Parker as a puppy she's been Travelling around with me, doing going to going on what we call the immediate, so the blue light ones, So she's had the sirens, heard them, and because that's what she's going to have to have all the time. So she's got to be relaxed. And what I want her to do, and, and the same with Elsa, is in between jobs when she is back in the van, that she does relax and get some rest and chills out. You will find the GP dogs, um, a little bit when you start putting the blue lights and sirens on, they know they're going to drink, they get a little bit excited, some of them. Uh- <laughs> I remember working a few years ago and when they heard the
1: helicopter go up, it was like they were like yeah, spinning so t- 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 and, <laughs> so, but, and But it's, it is a hard one, right? Because a lot of the time they are involved and yes. they're going to be involved and they kind of know this is the signal I'm going to be involved. But I agree, I loved how calm she was when she wasn't needed. Yeah,
2: I mean, you'll sometimes look in the back. If I'm on nights and say we're having like half an hour, maybe not a lot's going on or something, you can look in the back of mine and they'll be all asleep. I'm thinking, that's great. You're on nights of sleep. And I went, <laughs> you'll be full of beans in the morning. And about, how
1: about you? How do you recharge as a handler? What do you do if you fancy recharging? Because you must get tired too. Like, it must get tiring. Yeah, like-
2: you do. But usually, if I'm on nights and it, it's got a bit... Oh, um, struggling here like, we to go and take the dogs for a walk, <laughs> for a walk. <laughs> walk and wake up at, I like uh, it. that way somewhere get the so, dogs out get dog. they like to go for a walk in the field somewhere and just nice. wake up a bit and then carry on but nice. it depends most of the time you're quite busy so you, you don't really go no time <laughs> there isn't it's not all the time like that but most of the time it's quite yeah well, I think we've covered a huge, huge
1: amount. And I have to say, I'm in massive admiration of what you do. And I have loved um, chatting to you about it. And I know that the listeners are going to love hearing some of that because I think it gives a completely different perspective on dogs. And I think it gives a different perspective on what dogs can do and the amazing um, journey, I think, that you guys have had. So I want to say thank you no, that's okay. Welcome. so much for coming. And um, remember, audience, stay sexy. <laughs>
0: hey before you go have you taken part in the worldwide sexier than a squirrel challenge it's
1: a 25 day online video program huge energy amazing community and over six thousand people are already taking part
0: the only question is you know where you are today where do you want to be 25 days from now head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy